We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the California Golden Bearcast, a part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Enjoy the episode. And happy new year. It is 2021. Hindsight is 2020. It is in the past. We no longer have to think about it, but we will still talk about it. Uh, but this is another episode of the Golden Bear Cast. I am one of your co-hosts, Rob. Alongside me, of course, always is my other co-host and friend, Andy. Andy, Happy New Year, my friend. Happy New Year to you, 2020. 2021. What's up? So excited to be in this year versus last year and hopefully that enthusiasm stays for longer than a week so looking things are looking up do you do you have any uh new year's resolutions i have so many but it would just bore everybody to hear those so i'm just give me one give me one uh get in less text arguments (laughs) that's a big one for me that's a good one that's definitely a good one. Just gonna opt out of those. Yeah, yeah. Send in a waiver. Yeah, I'm gonna just be like, "Sorry, too bad." I used one today. I was like, <laughs> I had a buddy, a buddy of mine who was like, "I went to go get a microwave, and I wanted to get a really nice one." So I went to Sur la Table, you know, which I call yes, Brayden <laughs> Barrel and Macy's. I was like, "What?" Sir La Tabla, Creighton Barrel, and Macy's? You went to what? <laughs> For a microwave? Like, why didn't you just go to Home Depot? Anyway, <laughs> I was like right in the middle of it. And I was like, you know what? Not not 2021. Just going to opt out of it. We're going to move on. It's a good start. <laughs> it's a good start. Who, who doesn't Google it? Oh, by the way, none of them carry microwaves. 
That's the joke. None of those places that he went carry microwaves. Do they not? Wow. And he didn't bother to Google it after the first time. You would think after you went to Crate and Barrel and they didn't have a microwave, you'd be like, all right, maybe I should Google a place that does have a microwave. And then it was then Sur La Table and then Macy's. (laughs) So by the third time, now you're just, oh, goodness. I mean, usually usually for electronics or appliances, my go-to is Best Buy. Like that's the first, Best Buy is like the first place I'll hit up. Of course. Best Buy, Home Depot, Costco. Why would you go elsewhere? Or even Target. If you really want to make it a stretch, but man, I've never, <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, Very funny. So going to opt out of those as best as I possibly can. What about you, Rob? Uh, New Year's resolutions. I have two. First thing is I definitely want to exercise a lot more. I want to get that to be a part of like my routine, but it doesn't help with COVID. Like just, you can't really do much exercising outside of the outdoor outdoor stuff which you're a big fan of i'm particularly not a big fan of the outdoor outdoor stuff so we'll see how this pans out but that's that's definitely number one number two i think is uh for this podcast and for right for california trying to expand our domain a little bit uh, increase our footprint a little bit more um and seeing what other opportunities are out there in that sense and we're starting to look into it already so we'll see what happens over the next 12 months of 2021. That's exciting. Yeah. Isn't it crazy to think about that? We left. Right. We left SB nation just about a year ago. Like that was only a year ago. Yeah. Wow. That's we got, crazy. Yeah. Cause we got the word in December of 2019 and then we like prepped to leave and like start right for California. And then we launched it in March. So we're about to hit the one year anniversary of the new website. Crazy. 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 And SB Nation, the the former site is just a shell of its former self. <laughs> Could you even call it a shell? I it, it it just seems like a it seems like a face mask. Like you just put it in, you know, in all of 2020 cents. It's just a face mask. There's nothing else. It's just there. You can I see can't through go it there. Anymore. I'll give it a view, a page view. <laughs> <laughs> page view. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been a crazy ride. You guys are doing great work at Right for Cal and um, it's fun to, I'm going to be a part of a, uh, Q and a, so that'll be good. I'll actually have my name attached to something on the website. <laughs> yeah. Those Q and A's are actually the easiest part to get into writing. It's literally like a five minute, like as you like, maybe you're even in the bathroom, you could send that email real quick, just your, a paragraph thoughts on Cal. So we'll have more stuff coming down the pipeline. So be ready for that. But in the meantime, we've got news and tidbits and other things to talk about because it is the new year. So we're going to get started. The first thing is the big overarching uh, storyline um, about the NCAA. And no, we're not talking about the names, likeness, and image rights. We're talking about March Madness, which is around the corner. And the NCAA announced today, and we're recording this on Monday night, This afternoon, they announced that the entire 2021 March Madness tournament will be held in the state of Indiana at at a variety of venues throughout the state. So let me just read you a little bit of this, and then I want your thoughts, Andy. Uh, So it's throughout the state. All games are going to be held at Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Luke Soil Stadium, Hinkle Fieldhouse, Indiana Farmers Coliseum. Uh, Those four are will include uh, the home stadium of Ball State. Uh, the Horizon League tournament, or also the home of the Indianapolis Colts, 
uh, Hinkle Fieldhouse, uh, which I don't know the actual like team that plays there, but it is in Indianapolis and IUPUI uh, home stadium as well. They're all in Indianapolis. Then also in Bloomington at Indiana University's uh, basketball stadium and also in West Lafayette at Purdue's Mackey Arena. Um, Mark Emmert had this statement. This is a historic moment for the NCAA members in the state of Indiana. We have worked tirelessly to reimagine tournament structure that maintains our unique championship opportunity for college athletes. The reality of today's announcement was possible thanks to the tremendous leadership of our members, local authorities, and staff. The NCAA is partnering with a local health provider to administer COVID-19 testing within the controlled environments Excuse me, for players, coaching staffs, administrators, and officials. The Marion County Health Department has approved medical protocols set shared by the NCAA and will continue collaborating with the NCAA leading up and during the championship. Games will be held at Lucas Oil, all those stadiums. Teams will practice inside Indiana Convention Center with a multi-court setup. So, your initial thoughts to this news. I think that overall, they're following a script that's been successful. And if you look at what the NBA was did with the bubble, this is like an expanded bubble going to a state. And the, I just think that it has the potential to, if it does fail, it's going to fail in a spectacular fashion. And, but it's hard because, you know, we've sort of seen as you, you have to look at the greater, like this goes beyond sports. You have to look at what sort of happened in this country and specifically what's happened here in California, where we used to like, you know, I still do it. I still, I was watching the Rockets Mavs game tonight. Who knows why, but I was, and there's fans in the stands and I'm like, damn, that's so weird. But it's like, I can't really say anything now because we're in California. Cases are out of control. We're on lockdown. I'm like, they're in the stands and they're doing better against COVID than we are. So who knows? <laughs> That's right. I like, I just, I don't know what to say. I think it, I think it hopefully follows this, the good kind of example set by the NBA. Um, and that sets up college basketball for success. Lord knows it'll be something that all of us will need and enjoy and cherish to watch because you know, just how much, like how much I'm watching Warriors games right now, how much random NFL games I consumed yesterday. You know, it just seems like that's been really helpful as kind of a release and also watching way too many of the bowl games, all of them that didn't matter. And speaking of Ball State, they wrecked San Jose State. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Ran them out of the stadium in the first quarter. I was like, oh no. Top so, five team. Yeah, Ball State. Ball State just destroyed destroyed them so i think that overall i look at it pretty optimistically um you know with a caution caution out there about hey you know if it does go bad because you've brought so many people into a smaller location it has the potential to go real bad fast but hey i think it's a smart risk what about you i think this is a really cool idea um at the same time, it's like what sixty-eight teams uh, that'll be there, <laughs> and you're you're like packing them into like you know a bunch of hotels and whatever whatnot, and we're still trying to promote the whole amateurism thing. Yet we're putting them up in hotels wherever. Uh, like, couldn't you have done this with football too? Realistically, um, if you're putting sixty-eight teams in a single location. Granted, this is across the country and not like by conferences, but you know, I think it 
it's it's just like you're 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 like you're doing the cool thing and the good thing but at the same time it's like you couldn't have applied this like a little bit more broadly is that's that's my bigger thing but as you said yeah this can fail if it fails it'll fail spectacularly and if it goes well I don't think there's like a peak that it'll go well. It'll, it'll just run itself smoothly because everyone's there. And, you know, if you don't have any breakouts, then no one gets postponed. No games get postponed. No games get canceled. And you just move along throughout the month and uh, finish out the tournament there. I I do think that this might be the future of the NCAA March Madness tournament where you have all teams gathered. I think I think the best way to do this moving forward would probably be to have just four sites set up. And then those four places are where you play your games for the entire duration of that bracket finishing out until you have a winner out of that, that city or like area. And then you bring those four teams to a, like a finals location, you know, let's say San Francisco and like the four teams are here. You play the final four here. Then you play the championship game here and then you're done. Instead of what they do right now, which is every two rounds, you move to another place, right? Round one and round two is in a location. The Sweet 16 and Elite Eight are in a one one location for each bracket. And then the final four and the, tour, and the, and the finals is at a specific location. So this might be a way of consolidating it and attracting a little bit more tourism to a specific location instead of having all these empty seats at these random facilities of like these lower edge games or lower level games that no one's going to care about. I think if you pack it into a specific place, there's going to be a little bit more hype for it th- throughout. So that's what they used to do because I, I know I, like I feel like it is because I went to the games when they were at Oracle. So I, I swear like it used to be the West region and then you were there all the way until the elite eight. And then after the elite eight, you go to the final four location um, yeah, that might've been how they did it, but I, yeah, I mean, right now over the last few years, that's, that's how it's been. I think it's just because they want to add in more money, uh, yeah. you know, by putting it in more places, but that's what I'm and, follow the money, dude, follow yeah, the money, follow the money. Like, with, if you look at where the money is, it's probably not in bringing, trying to get everyone to go to the Midwest. There's a reason why not that many people attend the college world series in Omaha, you know, it's, it's in Omaha. And I think if you had, you know, if you look at Vegas as a potential option or um, Arizona or LA or the Bay, they, I I think the odds of getting more fans that turn out for those games are higher. Yeah. I don't think, I think you could go to any of the big cities. Like you don't even have to come to like California per se, right? Like you can go to Dallas, you can go to Chicago, Right. You can go to Memphis. Like there's plenty of like big, big, big enough cities to host these things where it would be, you know, a good, good enough crowd. Right. I think they're trying to, I think they're trying to avoid places that have like either premier basketball teams or like, you know, other, other big sports happening around the same time. Like they're trying to get people to go there. You know, like when they had it here, it was like at uh, the San Jose shark stadium. And it's like we had to make that drive all the way down there when they could have had it at Oracle and it would have been like uh, there would have been a lot more people there in the stands. Uh, so it's just it's just weirdly one of those things. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think this is a cool idea. I'm eager to see how it works. Um, 
you know, we didn't get to see March Madness last year. We like we went to lockdown right before it started. So forgot about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, March Madness is cool is cool and all around, but I want to like stoke the fire here. So <laughs> let's reference one of your tweets this weekend. Sounds Give like which one did I? Which one was it? So we've had you know a probably a decent amount of of a sample size now with Mark Fox. And the cow basketball. Oh, we're going, we're going to go down that path already. All right, all right. Since we're talking about NCAA March Madness, I guess I guess we can talk about basketball. Go ahead, shoot me. So, where do you stand? What's going on in the uh, world of basketball, Rob? Uh, I don't know what to think right now, man. It's I. So here's here's my take. I think some people might take it the wrong way. They're, that I'm like a Mark Fox like hater or I want him out of the program. I've always wanted him out of the program. Um, but let me set the record straight. Did I think he was the right hire? No. But when he was hired, was I gonna, was I going to give him a chance? Absolutely. Cause you always back the guy when he comes into the program or the team that you love, you never hope that he fails. That, that That's not, that's not real fandom. If you're hoping for him to fail, except for Anthony Lynn, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Well, he's gone now, so it doesn't matter anymore. It, that was just so obvious. That wasn't going to work. <laughs> so, see, there's yeah. hires. Yeah, I think that's the what you're saying right there. Is there are hires that you just have a strong feeling about that they're not going to work. But as a fan, even though you know it's a dumb hire, you're still going to root for it anyway. It's not like you're going to root for your team to lose or root right. for your team not to have success. Right. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, the only times you want your team to lose is if you're in clear tanking mode and you need a high draft pick. That's the only time you want your team to like lose, lose. But mm-hmm. you know, for a new head coach to come in for a program that was at the bottom of the barrel for two years and its reputation shot to the depths of the earth in the deepest part of the Atlantic Ocean, um, that's where we are now, right? It's like it's we're there's nothing but up, right? There, there's not, you can't do much wrong. After the two years that Viking was here, but but, but yet, but, but yet. yet, but yet, so after year one, I was like, mm, okay, can was there was there were there moments of improvement? Absolutely. Do, did I see a slight future ahead? Maybe, but judging from Mark Fox's ten year tenure at Georgia, right? Usually, the case here is when you look at a coach like this. At least for me. Is you look at what happens and what happened in that coach's career so far before he joined you, where all the stars aligned, right? In terms of a single season, like all the guys that you expected to play well played out of their mind, all the decisions you made paid off for you, everything, right? What is the culmination of a season like that for a coach? And, you know, for like Mike Montgomery before he came to Cal, what was it? It was winning Pac 12, Pac 10 championships. Like that was like the star aligns. Like pinnacle, what was what was Mark Fox's pinnacle of the stars aligned? It was getting to one NCAA tournament, not challenging for a title. It was a single appearance where they got knocked out in the first round. So, with that, oh, uh, by the way, fun fact because I was talking to Nick about this yesterday. Did you know? That Viking Jones has recruited more four-star players in his two-year tenure here than Mark Fox ever did in his 10-year career at Georgia. Yeah, I mean, not surprising, though, because Viking <laughs> was a much better recruiter than he was a coach. 
Right. But the the flip side of that argument, which I got from someone, was that how much do you border Vikings recruiting prowess versus living off of Konzo's success over the last two years? So you have to there, – there's a little bit that plays into it. But then by year two, you know, like they should have seen the on-court product of year one of Viking and what? nobody – had the reputation as a dynamic. He did. He did. Even being on staff. Right. With Fonzo. Right. So, yeah, you, I could go through the list of names, but I'm not going to do that right now. But (laughs) anyway. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. The the, the highlight recruit of Mark Fox's Georgia tenure was KCP, who was with the Lakers now. As a role player, I love him on the Lakers, but you know, and he's a lottery pick. But that was like the highest guy he ever ever recruited and coached. So, anyways, uh, this season to start off, uh, I was slightly excited uh, because we were shooting a lot more threes. Uh, we were shooting threes based, and the reason we were shooting a lot more threes is because we had guys on our team that are good three point shooters. Right, that was our issue last year was that. We had all these decent three-point shooters, but we kept trying to force it into Lars and some of the big guys in the post instead of making an offense based around, you know, modern basketball and movement and pick and roll and and, and such. Uh, but it felt like he was trying to bully ball us way into 90s or early 2000s era NBA basketball like mentality. And that was vastly different from his press conference where he was like, you know, I learned a lot over my year, you know, not not playing or not coaching like or not. He was coaching, but he wasn't like coaching a team team. He was like with Team USA and and all that. And he he said he like visited a lot of the coaches like Coach K and and people that knew he like name dropped a whole bunch of people. And uh, I was like, OK, yeah, maybe maybe he can learn. Maybe he can learn like modern basketball and, and move along with it. Um, but then it definitely did not seem the case. And then fast forward to this year, and it, early on, it definitely seemed like he was uh, moving up a little bit in that and uh, and learned and was adjusting the offense to his team uh, and the skill set of the team. But there's just – but beyond that, it's just – there's just so many questionable, like, decisions here where if you can't – if you can't recruit well and get those like five star, four star guys, which we're not expecting, right? I mean, Conzo set a good high mark for that, but Conzo also whiffed on a lot of his recruiting targets, you know, and didn't end up finishing. He ended, he always wrapped up a class with like a just one of those like diamonds in the rough type of home run type of recruits that never really panned out. Um, but like you look at, Fox's team right now and it's like Matt Bradley is like the big guy right he's he's a bona fide star he's absolutely stellar uh but then any of the other guys he's brought in as Nick pointed out which I think was best was that are any of them so far looking like average even at even average Pac-12 contributors right at this point in time Lars does not look like it Kwani Kwani hasn't been given enough chances to look like it. So he really doesn't. Uh, Monty Bowser is a freshman who gets in the rotation, but still he's a freshman, right? He could pan into it, but hasn't. Uh, DJ Thorpe gets into way too much foul trouble. Demetrius Clonaris can't even get on the floor. Jalen Celestine, freshman. So that remains to be seen. 
Um, and then he brought in two grad transfers with the remaining two, uh, what's it, scholarships. And the grad transfers are good, but like you have Mikhail Foreman, who's a 6-1, basically a 6-1 shooting guard. And he's a bit undersized to play that position at the next or at this level of competition. And you see that a lot when uh, you're playing. And he's a, he's a good three-point shooter, but he's damn streaky. Like when he gets cold, he gets, he gets cold. Um, and then Ryan Bedley, I think he's a good role player, but he's he's definitely a guy that's a little bit athletically behind what you want at this level. So you brought in two guys that are great. Like I think if you were running an, an actual NCAA like tournament team, like Mikhail Foreman is by far the greatest sixth man you can possibly ask for, and Ryan Bedley is probably a really really solid number like or like a three. Or the seventh man, like a starting three or a seventh man that you come off the bench, kind of stabilize the team defensively and can knock down some threes and, you know, do that. But if when the moment you saw Matt Bradley go out of the Oregon game and granted, we won our two games without Matt Bradley against Cal State Northridge and Seattle, but it's Cal State Northridge and Seattle. We should be winning those games regardless of whether Matt Bradley is in or not, like from a program standpoint. But you look at the Oregon and Oregon State game like. um. It, it, particularly the Oregon State game. Like you look at as soon as Matt goes out, you're looking to no one. There's like no, there's no other like star to pick up the pieces afterwards. It's it's just like, and but there's also no system implemented to get guys the shots that they need. There's usually like one thing ran run and then like two, like you know a a plays run. And then they're looking for that secondary option. If that secondary option is not there, then it's a reset at the top of the key. And it's like some guy's got to make magic happen. You know, there's no, it, it feels very like out of sync. And then his thing, of course, is defense, right? Like that's what he's known for, especially when he was at Georgia. But even defensively, it's been absolute garbage. Like our defense, our the effective field goal percentage that we're giving up to other teams ranks 260th in the country. Uh, we don't create enough. T- we don't create turnovers either. Or our c- turnover percentage is eighteen point two, which is two hundred thirty fifth in the country. Um, the only we give up the we give up thirty nine point three thirty nine point five percent three point shoot uh, made three pointers, which is good for three hundred thirteenth in the country. Um, like there's nothing that's like good defensively. Right. And even offensively, it's like effective field goal percentage, 52.5, which is good for 81st in the country. Like that's about that's the only other good part. Like we turn the ball, we turn the ball over at a rate of 21%, which is 249th. We don't offensive rebound. Um, we're 286th. Like I guess the only other good one is our two pointers are great. We're at 54.1%. Um, but that's it. Like there's no, there's, there doesn't seem to be hope or like that step up. And people are like, what if this is like the Sonny Dykes hire after Tedford, right? That like hire to stabilize the ship. Well, Sonny at least brought some optimism and some hype back into the program, right? And Sonny also, but a Sonny also stabilized something that, is not necessarily needing stabilization in the basketball program, which is the academic side of it, right? Sonny came in and he did the whole, like, 
you know, get your degree, be good at athletics and academics, do both here. Like, and he reset that tone here and he changed that part of it, which was a big stepping point for when Wilcox came in and that foundation was set there versus we didn't have that issue. There weren't a lot of issues to fix around the basketball program. The only issues we had to fix around the basketball program were, was the on-court product. And if we're not, if we don't have a head coach that's fixing the on-court product and pushing it forward, even a step, then like, what it, what are we really doing here? Like he was it, he ended the season last year, 14 and 18. Viking Jones was eight and 23 was, in both. Which seasons. was better. Yeah. Which I was, was better. Say, that was right. a much, that was a big improvement, which is better. But Viking Jones went three of 15 in conference play. Mark Fox went seven of 11. Much better. Or no, sorry. Sorry. Uh, Viking Jones went three, three wins, 15 losses in conference play. Mark Fox went seven, seven wins and 11 losses. So would you consider a four win? Like overall, he increased a lot, right? He increased six wins, but most of those wins came off of out of conference. Like as a, right. Am I doing that? Am I doing my math? Right. You have sufficiently confused me. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so okay. So, so, right, so what I'm saying is what I'm saying is out of conference, out of conference opponents change yearly. That I don't think that's a good gauge because you're playing the Pac-12 teams yearly. That's where the gauge is. And your improvement from the year before, 19 to 20, was four wins with a relatively with relatively the same roster as this year. Hey, Cal fans, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. That's right. If you listen to us every week and you're like, these guys are lame and I want to do it myself, this is the perfect opportunity for you. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters like Rob, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box for this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. You might have actually lost more talent. Um, and that's the thing, too, like with Vikings final year, like you look at that roster and you look at like Justice Suing, you look at Connor Vanover and, and Darius McNeil and Connor's a rotation, like an actual really good rotation player for Arkansas who looks like an NCAA you know, tournament team. Justice is a starter 
on an NCAA tournament team. Um, and that talent was lost, um, you know, and I'm not blaming Fox for that because coaching changes, players want to leave elsewhere always happens. That's it, that. It's not like anybody's fault. It's just, it's just how it is. Cause it's not the coach that recruited you. So you might want to move on to uh, newer and better things, but yeah, I think if you one, uh, we'll have some thoughts, but what I just want to like, kind of look at this other situation too, which is, you have Travis DeCure, who was the other hire, right? That he was, was Monty's, Monty's pick. Right. That was Monty's pick. He was the fans pick, too. He was the fans pick, too. Not not for when – for when that was for when Konzo was hired. No, he was the fans pick for when think, Mark Fox was hired. I think the fan I, – uh, I don't know. I think my pick – I think my pick was uh, – I mean, this was super unrealistic, but my pick was Jason Kidd because he was out of a job at that oh, point. Oh, yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, but I think the realistic pick for me was probably Dennis Gates. Fair. Right. Okay, that's fair. I mean, a lot of people still were saying, like, the popular choice on Twitter at the time was to cure. And, like, he hasn't – they're, like, four and six right now. Yeah. At Montana. And, yeah. like, his, I think his season before that was unimpressive. Yeah. So – I think Dennis the, Gates on the other hand. <laughs> so I think, you know, I think that the, what I would say is it, you have to be, you, you have to be careful with what you wish for. What I will say is Mark Fox's buyout for one, I don't think Cal's going to do any sort of buyout on any coach right now. Um, given COVID, but you know, we've seen other big public universities, Texas, cough, cough, hint, hint, make major moves with a particular coach. But you know, his bio is actually really friendly. It's 75% of the base salary and the talent fee for the next contract year. So that's like, I don't know. Uh, I, this is, both so it's less than 2 million it's probably around 1.5 million which is super affordable um better than the the buyout we had with Viking which was no buyout you just have to pay the contract right yeah (laughs) but I mean yeah so I mean at at least it's much better than Sonny's so I think that with with Mark Fox, I'm, I don't know. Like, are you throwing out the whole our, – our running theory on coach, just coaching hires for the last 10 years has been we give them three years. But that's primarily been football, and so we're in See, year two. That's that's the thing that's baffling is why you, you, you hindered yourself with a five-year deal to White King, right? Right. And you struggled to get out of it which is why you kept him around for two years. And then the next head coach that comes in, regardless of the buyout, you hand him another five-year deal. Like, I think it, he, if this was a coach that we had to poach away, right? Or or he was a he was on the open market, like, let's say, like, like a Tom Crean, right? Who's at, who's doing great things at Fox's former job in Georgia now. So let's say it was like Tom Crean, right? And we were, and, we were like, all right, we have to offer you a three-year deal here because we got burned badly by the f- other previous coach we gave five years to. And, you know, we just want to see you earn your contract. 
Like we don't mind giving you like another two, three years on top of that deal, but let's reevaluate in two years time. And, you know, if Kareem goes, uh, you know what? I got this good offer from Georgia or I got this, you know, good offer at some other power five university, then maybe you have to like negotiate yourself and convince yourself into giving him a five-year deal. Fox was sitting at home. He, he, he was a, he had, he was fired from the Georgia job and he was at home. Like we, we had the negotiating upper hand, right? Like we were the, we were the ones that were looking to hire someone. It's just the fact that you, you go, you go, you go bottom of the barrel of the PAC 12 for two years. And then instead of hiring someone that has a bit more upside because you have nowhere else to go. Right. Um, But instead you go with a, a coach who is at best gets you to in like a totally stellar, stellar year gets you at best to fourth in the pac 12. Like, is that, is that like our expectation for the program? Like, is that what we want out of Cal basketball? Cause that, cause for some people that this higher, that's what it felt like that Cal basketball just needs to be sustainable. Doesn't, we don't need to strive for excellence, just sustainable. And that's, that's the thing that, that upset Larry so much um, when this hire was made. So. I mean, I, I think that has, I think that could be true. I really do. Right. I, I look at it and you look at one, how casual our fan base is about football. I can't tell you the amount of my friends that didn't watch the big game this year that were like diehard Cal football fans when they were in school, just yeah. didn't even watch it. So call it COVID, whatever you want. I don't know. Nobody had anything to do. Didn't watch it. And then you have the, and then basketball, there's a drop off to basketball and those that pay attention to basketball. And I haven't had one person tip me up about watching a basketball game or anything like that. So I think that you look at that and they probably looked at it as like, look, we can't be the worst in the conference, <laughs> but you know, we don't want to be the best. I think they probably looked at Mark Fox. He's, he's a safer hire. They're not going to have the, you know, the concerns that white get kind of played white King around player treatment and coach treatment while at that. And then, uh, as you, uh, but yeah, you probably didn't go for that, that hire that could bring you back to the top. You know, I think that's the beauty of what Sandy Barber did in getting Quanzo Martin. That was a, it was a, we have to give Sandy Barber credit. It was an incredible hire. It was a really strong hire. And, you know, Sonny Dykes was a hot commodity at the time. I know we all kind of look back and Sonny, we're like, oh, the Sonny era, thank goodness it's over. But he was a the, the, if not one of the most demanded coaches on the market that year. And she went on job. We, we were stoked when we hired Sonny. Like, I, I still remember that. So, like, it, it just feels like every time we, we can't, we just can't seem to align our coaching hires perfectly. Like, we get, we hire a good football coach and we, we bomb hiring our men's basketball coach we hire an amazing men's basketball coach and we bomb hiring our football coach (laughs) like it just it just seems to go in waves right because we hired sunny 
and that like you know started going on the downturn and then we hired Konzo and then it started going on the upturn which I can't really even say upturn because it's not like Monty's programs when he was here like right before he retired were bottom the barrel you know like we were winning conferences for crying out loud while he was here so mediocre and then on the upswing and then as that comes down like football's on its way down and then we hire Wilcox and then football starts to pick back up and then we hire Viking <laughs> and it and it hits the bottom of the barrel like it just it's I, it's just hilarious how we just can't seem to get those two things in sync yeah you know what yeah. like Ken Palm right now has us projected to go uh five and fifteen in the conference yeah so just as bad as YK. Yeah, and you know the the crazier part is our biggest win percentage game is Oregon State at home, and that's fifty seven percent. Like that's not even like a you know <laughs> yeah. we're we're favored. <laughs> like that's 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 a coin flip. So yeah, it's really sad, man. I think Cal basketball had been you know since since my time in college consistently really good, and then we took this weird ass approach with the Viking hire and just said F it <laughs> worked once we got Wilcox in here. seems good. Let's just do it again. Oh. And uh, it really didn't work. And, and the program seems to be not in disarray, but it just is, I, I can't imagine that like if you the thing is right now the university isn't feeling the hit because you're not seeing ticket sales and like we know that the way that the AD thinks about these things is among they look at it from the financial side and they know that they need football to be good to drive that and football is stable and so it's almost like football is masking some of the deficiencies with basketball right now where it's like you know there's still so much optimism on the football side of things and as soon as the world returns to normalcy and we can actually go to these games in person and you see a thousand people showing up to a basketball game. There's going to be a hell of a lot more noise. Yeah. If that a lot more noise about, you know, Hey, like what the hell is going on here? Cause this isn't a program that has a history of struggling. This isn't a program that, you know, like football, people can kind of write off and be like, Oh, it's Cal football. Like Cal basketball has a national championship. Cal basketball is one of PAC 12, uh, title in the last you know decade God, decade um cal basketball has gone to the ncaa has a history of going to the ncaa tournament and fielding competitive teams cal basketball has put out a top five player in the nba right now so that is that's where it starts to be like hey what the hell jalen brown is averaging like 40 a game and <laughs> we can't win five games in conference. I think that's where it's like, you know, and we're only going to have that window for so long. It's the same thing with Rogers, the same thing with Marv, Marvin, the same thing with Marshawn when we had Marshawn in the league. You know, it's like you had that window in the NFL where players would be like, damn, where do you go to school? You went to Cal. All right. You know, I could see that trajectory. You could kind of see Cal football maybe moving more that direction here of late where, you know, we're seeing guys, and I know we're about to go to this, so this might be a good segue. We're seeing guys that are jumping up to the league now and uh, opting out of their season where all of a sudden, like on draft day for the last two years, you know, we're going to have something to watch. So that's really exciting too. 
Um, but th those windows are short, so you have to maximize it, especially when you get someone that's elite like Jared Goff was, you know, going to the Super Bowl, and then elite like Jalen Brown is. It looks like he's going to be this season, and yeah. So I, I think for us, you got to strike while the iron's hot. So for me, like Mark Fox, like I don't care enough right now to say either way. Like I just don't pay attention. So but maybe, but, but my my point would be that that's that's a good gauge. There is that you you don't care. That's the thing. Is like I'm not saying that you don't care, and I'm pointing that out. I'm just saying like remember remember when we had those Conzo teams and when we were good. You were like, hey, yeah. can I get a can I get a press pass to go to the game? Like I went to you know, ten like, games that year, right? Like you wanted <laughs> to go to, you wanted to go to games. Like that's that's yeah. what I'm talking about. There's there's no excitement there of people even wanting to go to games because there's no like there's no upset wins. There's no like there's no feeling of like oh we're we're growing we're we're growing into this. Um, I did like the last minute three to win <laughs> again. Uh, USF, yeah, was it USF? Was that the yeah. USF one? Yeah, it was USF. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but like, the thing, man, like USF, USF has an exciting program because, you know, Diana fundraises for USF. So I get to know USF basketball through her. They have a fun up. They made the fun up and coming higher. They have a, yeah. Golden. Yeah. Golden they have a, yeah. Yeah. They have a fun coach. They have a fun program. The fans are excited about it. They market it well. I don't hear shit from Cal about <laughs> Cal basketball. <laughs> like I really don't. It's not like, Hey, like buy this Jersey. You know, we've talked about the issues with that. Oh, like the God. best looking Jersey you can't even buy. It's like all I get hit up for is like today, check my email, 65% off the Cal store, football, 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 football. So I just think like we're really becoming it's right now it's locked into this one program. And, but I think COVID's hurting it. Like, cause if I was able to go to the games the game I went to last year with Cal basketball, because I you know, promised myself I would go to support the program, we were competitive and I walked out of the stadium feeling pretty good about it. And so I think the big thing is like not being able to see it in person, it's much easier for me to just dismiss it. Like I have the Warriors going on. Yeah. I'm just like, I'll just watch the Warriors game and like who, you know, I cut the cord. So it's like I can't really access Cal basketball as easily. But when it's there and I can see it in person, it's more present. So I think I'd have more potential frustration for it. That's why I like write it off. And I'm just like, okay, whatever, Mark Fox, like who cares? I'll deal with this when the world comes back. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> I just like completely displace the problem. Like, ah, eh, this is on the to-do list, but it's not high enough up on the to-do list for me to take care of it right now. Yeah. Mm. It's not a good place to be. It's not a fun place to be. And it's just the fact that like, you know, it, we were talking about it and it's like, you know, some of the newer like writers, even on the staff, it's like, I, I just feel so bad for them. Like, not that, you know, they need to be winning for our writers, but it's just like, you know, I covered the team when we went undefeated at Haas, right? Under Conzo, like every game I went to that year, we did not lose. So that was ridiculously fun. Um, but like right now, it's like you're, if you go to a game, you're most likely going to witness a loss. <laughs> like it's the opposite. It's like, you'd be excited to, to witness a win. So and it's like the, the the things things of like when we lost to Pepperdine, you know, like people are like, ah, you know, Pepperdine's a great team. They started making excuses about it. And I was like, we're a power five team in a power five conference with that pedigree. We should not be losing to the likes of Pepperdine, even if they have a good team. <laughs> like that's that's the point. You're missing the point. Yeah. Let's see, Pepperdine, looking at their record. <laughs> Pepperdine is currently four and five. 
in the country or in the record 145th on Ken Palm. Nice. Not very good. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, maybe. I mean, we got to go. Maybe we just got to go at St. Mary's head coach one more time and just roll out the. Just give me that USF coach. Everything. Give me yeah, the USF really? coach. Yeah, I, w- I don't I don't mind that at all. He plays exciting. That team plays exciting basketball. Yeah, and it's very modern. Yeah, yeah it's, it's very, very modernized modern. basketball. And that that can play well into like the now recruits. Like the the young up and coming guys, like you can show them tape. You're like, hey, see this? This is how it's run in the NBA too. Like we're doing that. We're gonna run that. Um, anyways, uh, on to you know, football. On to football. Enough about me running on basketball. We have some football things to talk about, which is uh, some players are leaving the program. Um, all in good spirit, I think, in my opinion. Uh, Cam Bynum, of course, leaving in the NFL draft. He retweeted that video he posted about four or five months ago. Uh, when he was saying that he was leaving and people are like, Oh, is Cam Cam leaving? And I was like, yeah, he already said he was leaving for the 2021 draft. It's, it's that he came back to play the 2020 season in between that. Like, it's not, it's not that that cancels out <laughs> the, the declaration to go to the 2021 draft. I'm going to also assume that anyone who asked that question didn't watch a single Cal football game with the volume on because the only thing that announcers said for the majority of the game when Cam Bynum made a play was, oh, he's going to play on Sundays yeah. or some variety of that line every single time. Uh, but yes, Cam, you wish nothing but but the best. I hope uh, I hope we get to see you ball out on Sundays. Hashtag pro bears. The next one uh, was Jake Kerham. This was kind of a surprise. Uh, Kerhan announcing that he's going to test, uh, you know, playing in the next level, and he's declaring for the 2021 NFL draft. Um, same to Kerhan. We wish to see you on Sundays. I think he can be a decent draft pick. I uh, not not like th- first three rounds, but I think like somewhere in the four, five, six, I could see him going as a right tackle. He's he's athletic enough. He's got the size, the mobility, and he's got the the film to do so. So. Yeah, he's, he's really a, good. He's been I, a rock for us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think I wasn't as surprised about this. I sort of expected Kerhan to – I thought maybe if the season hadn't happened, you know, that he would be one of those going to go pro type of guys. Like he's uh-huh. just – he's. I, it's been amazing how long we've had him for. Yeah. It feels like it's been like six or seven years, but it really, really hasn't. Does. I think Kerhan's only been here for five. Um, compared to the next guy we're going to talk about, Ziande Johnson – uh, declared today that he is foregoing his final season at Cal, which would have been which would have been year seven, right? Some, imagine seven years of college. <laughs> you start at eighteen and you graduate college at twenty five, like, and probably with an MBA, yeah, <laughs> or so, as a lawyer. <laughs> but Ziande is moving on. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna try and chase his dream of playing on at the next level on Sundays, and so. Can't uh, can't say anything to that. I just wish him the best and hope that he gets drafted and, and gets a chance to play somewhere in the league. Um, yeah, yeah. The last one uh, was uh, kind of a surprise, I guess. Uh, our Kentucky fullback transfer Drew, Sch- Drew Schlegel has entered the transfer portal as a grad transfer. Um, he's looking to to play his final year of eligibility elsewhere. Um, he. So judging from uh, 
Trace's tweet on Cal Rivals. It said that he was in a one-year program here at Cal, and the one-year program finished. So he's, you know, grad transferring, and I, I'm not like upset or anything about it. He just, it just, that's just how it worked out with like 2020, right? Like he, he came here to play a regular season to like end his college career with that one-year program, but then 2020 happens, the one-year program ends. And he can end up grad transferring and playing somewhere and playing eligibility right away. Like he didn't have to sit out any year. Like it's so funny how that timing worked out. So yeah, you're missing one. Am I missing one? Yeah. Yeah. Any, any idea who it is? I can't remember off the top of my head. He's a short guy, athletic dude. You used to love him. Oh, Jeremiah Hawkins. Yep. Mm, yes, Jeremiah Hawkins has is in the. Tra- he's not. He's not leaving for the NFL. He's transferring elsewhere for I think his final two years or final year of eligibility. I think it's I think it's one year. Um so yeah he's in the transfer portal too. The uncle of now Atlanta safety Falcons Atlanta Falcons safety Jalen Hawkins um is moving on to uh to another place. I honestly think I think it's the right move for him. Um I think he had been buried a little bit on the depth chart, especially with the new wide receiver talent coming in that I don't think he was going to get much playing time here anyways, but it looked like from what I read, he got his degree here and he's moving on. So kudos to him, man. Kudos to him to to getting that degree and and moving on and potentially getting a master's. Yeah, for sure. Like big shout out to Hawkins for finishing up. And I think her hand too. And I think all these guys for sure. Um, all these besides Schlegel or Schlagel, Schlegel, <laughs> uh, Schlegel. Um, you know, I, I mean, even Schlegel completed his course. So, like, we're doing what they're these guys are doing what they're setting out and supposed to be doing. And so, just congrats, you guys will always be bears for life. And come on the pod, yeah. There's a few. I mean. I mean, we could have this. We can talk about this on another pod, but it's going to be interesting to see like who fills that void, right? Like that next, that next guy up because Ziande was our starting defensive end, Cam was our starting cornerback, Kerhan's our starting right tackle, Schlegel our starting fullback. Um, those are all starters <laughs> that are gone now. So we have some shoes to fill. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like you look at the program, you're like, all right, next man up. Chigozi was amazing. Like Chiggy was amazing this year. Uh, and then on the O-line, like literally everybody on the O-line got game experience this last season because of yeah. COVID. So it's like, okay, that feels good. We have a bunch of young, younger guys that are coming up for D-line spots that could be uh, really nice. And then on, uh, yeah, I mean, and then fullback is interesting. Fullback is the big mystery to me. Yeah. But um, overall, I think that we can backfill really well in those positions. So that's what this, the season at, at Cal was disappointing to go one in three, but at the same time, like it was just helpful to like get people game experience and know that this team on the last product that we saw, which was the Oregon game will still have just as much expectation going into the 2021 season as I think we might've originally had for the 2020 season. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but we won't delve into that further because uh, we have more stuff to talk about, but we'll talk about that on a future pod with guys 
once the NFL like deadline actually hits and we see like who's leaving and who's staying, then we'll do like an actual pod to like scout out like who do you think is going to to step up into those starting roles and such. But uh, moving on, another bit of football news, not for us, but the Arizona Wildcats have hired their new coach, Jed Fish, uh, who was the I think he was a quarterback coach or offensive consultant for the Patriots this year, has now been hired as the head football coach of the Arizona Wildcats. Um, let me run through his coaching staff so far. I think, is this the entire coaching staff? Uh, I don't think this is the entire coaching staff, but this is from Arizona Sports 98.7 FM. Um, this is a look at coaches who have been hired or linked to the Wildcats. So I think this is, I'll tell you which ones are linked and which ones are hires, but offensive coordinator and offensive line coach is Brennan Carroll. Uh, the 41-year-old coach has been a part of the Seahawks staff as the team's run game coordinator since 2015 and spent the last 13 years coaching college football after spending 13 years coaching college football. The oldest son of Pete had four coaching um, at Miami, holding roles as position coach. So that's Pete Carroll's son, Brenton Carroll. Quarterbacks coach is Jimmy Doherty. Doherty. Dowdy was uh, a member of UCLA's coaching staff since 2017. He was also on Michigan's coaching staff as an analyst in 2016. Running backs coach is Scotty Graham, who's the current Arizona State senior athletics director and former NFL running back. Scotty Graham will take over as the Wildcats running backs coach. The team announced Monday. Wild wide receivers coach is Kevin Cummings. The former Oregon State wide receiver was named as the Wildcats wide receiver coach on Monday. Cummings has coached wide receivers for the past four seasons with San Jose State. Tight ends coach. This was actually a really good hire, in my opinion, was Jordan Pow-Pow. Pow-Pow was Arizona's tight ends coach. He was named Arizona's tight ends coach on Monday. Pow-Pow coached tight ends at Washington for the last nine seasons before at nine seasons before taking his talents to UNLV in the same capacity. So he is back. Uh, their defensive backs coach is Chuck Cecil. Chuck Cecil st- uh, started at Arizona as a fourth and was a fourth-round NFL draft pick in 1988. He spent 2001 to 2016 in the NFL coaching defensive backs. He had stints as Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator from 2009 to 2010. He was a senior defensive analyst for the Wildcats under Kevin Sumlin from 18 to 20 and also served as the interim defensive coordinator and defensive line coach Ricky Hunley. Uh, Hunley was the number seven overall pick in 1984 out of Arizona and after playing his after his playing career, coached linebackers or defensive lines at the college and NFL levels from 1992 to 2015. And that is it as of now. So, your thoughts on his hire? I think it's a good hire. I, I think the what you see right now is like offensive minds in college football. Like offense, outside of us, offense is really where the league seems to be going it's an offense first league um i don't know about like thinking down us and washington are probably the only two schools that have uh defensive head coaches yeah because i'm trying to i mean definitely if you look across the big 12 and sort of the hires that are being like if you look at what texas did in hiring sark like the league is moving towards hiring these offensive minds. You even see it at the NFL level with the Shanahan's of the world. And I'm sure that the chiefs O coordinator is going to get a job, you know, as a head coach, possibly for you guys down in um, LA. So uh, the or whatever, I can't remember how to say his last yeah, name. Eric the I don't, 
I don't know. We're looking, apparently we're interviewing. Uh, this is a side note, but we're apparently interviewing the Rams' defensive coordinator. So odd choice, <laughs> but that makes sense. Their defense is amazing. So I think uh, I think what you the tr- it fits the trend, and he has Pac-12 experience, and uh, the offense when he was at UCLA was really good. I think it was like top five in the country. So it, to me, it makes sense. I think it's good hire and it'll be interesting. He's hiring. He's, I think they're making good moves. So I think for, if you're an Arizona fan, you're probably, probably happy enough with it. Uh, especially after what someone treated you to like, they're in a position where, you know, they need to make a hire to just, they, and they made a, like give them credit. Like they moved on fast from someone like no one really thought someone was going to work out. I don't know why they did, but they moved on pretty quickly from that. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, look, he's an offensive-minded head coach, and he's made all of his offensive hires and a couple of defensive hires. I think the key here now is who he hires as his defensive coordinator and who he hires as his special teams coach, right? Like, those are the other the two other big ones that he needs to think about because offensive coordinator under Jed Fish with Pete Carroll's son, like, with an offensive head coach, it's not much drop-off, right? It's not going to be like, I'm you deal with the other side of the ball. Like I'm going to handle this. It's not one of those situations. So those sides of the balls that he's not going to really be too uh, hands-on approach wise, I think is, is going to be huge. Um, I think, you know, in, if you were to relate this back to Cal um, and of course we don't have any inside information on this whatsoever, uh, but the name to look out for probably would be uh, coach Regal. Cause you know, his ties to Arizona um, you know, he coached high school there too, and how well he's coached in the state for us. I'd be surprised if they didn't at least try to pry him away and bring him back home to his home state. Um, and, you know, they have an opening at special teams coach too. So maybe like give him, you know, some additional tags, you know, like associate head coach or something like that. And that might not be a lateral move. That might actually end up being a step up move to to maybe leading into a head coach job down down the career. So yeah, that's definitely a name to look out for. Um, I know the moment I bring this up, like half of the fan base is going to be like, yeah, we get, we're going to hire a new special teams coordinator. And the other half is going to be like, uh, like, you know, eh, he, he does give us a lot from a recruiting standpoint. So I don't know. I don't know what will happen, but um, it'll be interesting to see over the next uh, few weeks, what they end up doing in filling up that role. And if Trevor Regal is actually linked to that position or job. Yeah, it's definitely, I think would be a huge loss to me. I think the special team stuff that we saw this season was a mirage and that overall Regal is a really good head coach or really good coach. And then also has head coaching experience and then his recruiting ability, all the recruits that everybody's loving and all excited about, they generally have been his. So uh, I would, you know, I'm sort of, I hope it doesn't happen. I would say that. Well, that's it for all the football news. We have some questions from fans uh, to wrap up today's pod. What do you think? Now get through Let's these. Yeah. All right. First one is from Daniel Kim on Twitter at uh, his Twitter handle is ontological me. <laughs> Took me a while to read that. Um, he asks us uh, a question here. Russell White's hurdle in 91 greater than Najee Harris's hurdle in 2021. 
I think it's like a question. Like he thinks that his take is that the 91 hurdle by Russell White is better than the Najee hurdle in, in 2020. And we actually watched that Russell White hurdle in 91, which actually was called back for a penalty because apparently you weren't allowed to huddle a uh, hurdle back then. Uh, so what do you think? Is is that statement true? Is Russell White's hurdle in 91 greater than Najee Harris' hurdle in 20? 2021, I mean? I I don't personally think so. I think Najee Harris's hurdle in that game was the sickest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> uh, that I mean, I thought he was going to score a touchdown on that. Most guys hurdle, and then that's all you do. But he yeah. just kept running, yeah. and it looked like he was going to go, like, actually score a touchdown on that, which made it unbelievably impressive. And also, like, situationally, I think in that game, you know, to do that, it was it was ridiculous. Um, I also want to shout out to Jeremy Ross, who also hurled his fair share of defenders during his time at Cal as a wide receiver and then during returns. So I think we've had a couple of guys. Russell White's hurdle was impressive. Najee Harris's hurdle is something that I won't forget anytime you bring that play up. So maybe that's what it was at the time. But for me, like recency bias takes the win on this one. And I go with. Harris. Harris. I will say Russell White's hurdle is probably cleaner. Right? He he like he clears the dude and has like no contact on him whatsoever. Whereas Najee's, I think his back foot or his like his back thigh kind of catches him like as he hurdles him. Uh from that standpoint. But like as you said, if you watch Russell White's hurdle, it's like the hurdle and then the play's over. Like there's nothing nothing happened after that. It wasn't a continuation. It was just like it was kind of like, you know, that thing of like where running backs like just like push and push the ball like forward to get that extra, you know, like few inches when their runs over. It it kind of usually feels like that. But this was like in like the, the sequence of movements to get him down 20 yards. Like it wasn't it wasn't like a one like an ending move. It was more of a in the heat of the moment move. So. That's why I think Najee's is better too. But yeah, yeah, Jeremy Ross, of course. I think those those hurdles by Ross are, uh, oh boy, oh boy, yeah, those are those are some huge, huge hurdles. Yeah, oh. it's, did you hear about the background story with Najee Harris and the and the hurdle? Yeah, with uh, uh, Megan Rapino. Yeah, the U.S. Women's National Team. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. She apparently told him to hurdle someone. <laughs> She tweeted. So, do you know the story be, be before that? No. So the story before that is uh, when he scored a touchdown, he did the Rapino uh, celebration that Rapino did at the World Cup, where she does like the right, right, big, the big like salute or uh, like applaud type thing. Um, and uh, he basically, in a press conference, was talking about how like he's she's an inspiration for him um, and how she's a role model. And then she tweeted at him with that, so like a tweet that had that segment of his presser, and she quote tweeted saying, "Am I a, am I a Roll Tide fan now? Good luck at the CFP uh, semifinals. Like hurdle someone for me." <laughs> that's what that's that's like why she replied to that and why she said that, and then uh, and then now she did it. <laughs> Incredible! Absolutely awesome! Incredible! That's I loved. I- breaking the news to my friends as we were watching that happen being like yeah he was down to alabama and cal and his mom wanted cal and guess he what was- he chose <laughs> uh, well he was i 
I dare think that, you know, this is all in hindsight, but from what I was like, from what I was told, like at that point, it was like he was coming to Cal if we had kept Sonny. Yeah. It's all in hindsight now, right? But I Not think, worth it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But imagine, imagine if we had, imagine if we had Najee, like with this Wilcox team, like Chris Brown's great. But you know, Najee would have elevated the running game like from the get go, yeah, pretty significantly. Like we we might not have ever seen the breakout of Patrick Laird if Najee was here. Yeah, so true, so true. All right, next question. Scott Marita asks: I know that both basketball programs, men's and women's, have yet to hit their stride this year. But it'd be nice to get your perspective on the development of each team. Thoughts on this year and next? I love the football pods, but some thoughts on basketball would be nice. I feel like this entire pod has done that for you now. Um, yeah, over delivered. The women's team, though, I will say is that it's a TBD because I think they I think they have, what, five scholarship players or something like that? Five or eight? The five or eight scholarship players left on the roster? Like, everyone else is injured? Like, they... Why we only scored seven points in the first half of a game? Yeah, so, like, we have bigs. Like, we have some of our, like, really, really talented bigs. But our guard rotation from a scholarship standpoint has been decimated. Like all of our scholarship guards are out. So but that's, that's super tough. <laughs> like, you know, think about it. If like the Warriors lost all of their guards, like that's currently on the roster right now. <laughs> and then you had to, you had to get guys off the G league or the pre- like just off the street to play point. What do you mean? That was last season. I just no, saw that. No, no. Last season you had guys that you like drafted and still had, right? No, we were pulling people out the, the D, the D <laughs> G League, and wherever wherever they were, uh, but yeah, that's pretty much the the development on the women's team, and I, so that's why I'm expecting them to be really really good next year. Um, this year, I, I said that to plenty of people that this year wasn't the year to expect greatness from that women's team, but they have so much talent um, that it will be good. Because for women's teams, and this is a, I'll end on this note is. Uh, for women's basketball, at least from what I've noticed, is if you have like huge, huge, big, big talent, like, you know, your power forward or center, those types of players usually develop later on in their careers. Like in their late in their sophomore year, their junior year and senior year. Uh, freshman year, it's like they're just getting like into the weight room and getting adjusted to playing at this speed. They can't dominate uh, with their size like they did at, in high school anymore because they're playing with girls that are at that size. And this applies to men's too, to a certain degree. Um, so it usually gets into that. And you just look at the lineage of uh, bigs for the Cal women's program with, you know, just recently with, uh, oh my goodness, why is her name blanking on me? Oh boy. Uh, Chris, Christina, Christina Nigway. Yeah. Christina Nigway, uh, Rashonda Gray, um, I don't know if Ashley Walker should be considered a big, but Ashley Walker, um, Davni Hampton, like there's that lineage is ridiculous. So yeah, it's there. It's there. It'll come. It just wasn't this year. Just wasn't the year. Patience. He preaches with women's basketball and urgency. He preaches with men's basketball. If you can pull three out of the top 100 recruits in your first year as head coach to the program, I will give you four years of <laughs> of patience, even if you lose all four seasons. Yeah, that's fair. Because that, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree. 
If you can pull three five stars your first year as a head coach, yeah, for a sandy. for a first time head coach, insanity. Yeah, I think good things are coming for women's basketball for sure. It's just a matter of time. Um, next one, Kai asks us: Does anyone follow the bat and ball sports at Cal? <laughs> All right, so field hockey, no. no. Baseball, to a certain degree, kind of. Yeah. Bat and ball. What else? What else? What else? Is there lacrosse? Harry Potter? <laughs> Don't we have a mental cross team. No, it's like club. Is it club? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's about it. I mean, if we're talking about baseball. Softball. I don't know enough about softball. 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 Almost forgot softball. Yeah. Nope. I don't, we don't really that. talk about it that much. I don't know enough about this year's baseball team because there's a lot. There was a lot of turnover, right, with like a lot of the guys leaving. But I is I think Darren Baker's still here, so um, that's a that's a big plus. <laughs> Who doesn't like Dusty Baker's kid? Who's actually really really good, by the way. I think he was drafted, but he decided to come back. I think that's what that's what his thing was. Like he wanted to get drafted higher. So, and I, I if I'm not mistaken, too, I, I think we've gotten some premier uh, arm talent for pitching. So, if this season actually happens in the spring, uh, I'd be excited to to see them. And if we're allowed back, that would be a very very good way to kick off the whole "we're over COVID" <laughs> to be out there yeah. at Evans Diamond. You know, just in the yeah. sun a little bit. Yeah, the last article I can see about Darren Baker is like April 27th. It says coronavirus alters Darren Baker's dreams of excelling at Cal. Yeah. So he returned to Cal June 13th, 2020, instead of going into the draft. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. So he's here. He's yeah. here. That'll be fun to watch. Uh, next one is Gerardo Gerardo Henricks asks more Star Wars talk favorite of the sequels. How about <laughs> superheroes? Who's your favorite? I think we've talked enough about Star Wars. If there's there's more stuff coming out on Star Wars that I'm excited to talk about, but I have to actually read it first. Like there's Bro, a give the people what they want because you know I'm not giving anything. I don't even really like Star Wars. <laughs> Did I say that on the last pod? <laughs> so no, I know. So what I'm saying is, well, I'll do a Star Wars pod, and I'll probably get uh, Donovan Frazier on here, and we'll do a whole like we'll do a whole spinoff show about Star Wars. Uh, but that sequel is there's only one of them that was good, and it's Rogue One. That's it. That was the best Star Wars movie there's ever been. That's the one. Rogue One. Make sure you've seen it. All the other ones are super mediocre. And the Mandalorian, I've also decided <laughs> mediocre. That's upsetting. That's just, I know so many, so many people are upset with me on that. That's just upsetting. Mediocre label on that too. I just like Mando himself. I think everything else is just mediocre. But just gonna fire I Andy into the sun. <laughs> just, just fire him in. Just throw him into a Sarlacc pit. Let him let him try and get out like Boba Fett did. I'm trying to give our fans what they asked for. They came for the Star Wars content. This is the Star Wars content you asked for. So, Star Wars, yes. Okay, what they're trying to do with Disney now, they are trying to set it up like they set up Marvel. Right, in the, like a brand, big universe. Exactly. And I think that's exciting because if they can actually start, see, I look at Mandalorian as a positive progression because I think as you look at the movies, the movies, objectively, that second movie that I saw was garbage. Right. 
<laughs> then the third movie, most Star Wars fans actually think that was garbage too. I kind of liked it. So, you know, because I don't care. Like, I yeah, think that's You're not into the weeds. Yeah, I just don't care. Like, I don't care about any of these storylines or like who is what. It's just like, uh, whatever. But from an entertainment standpoint, I was entertained. So like, check the box. But as you go towards that Marvel direction, you know, I didn't really care about Marvel either. I saw all the Iron Man movies. You know, I saw The Incredible Hulk before it was even a good movie, right? So I see these movies and it's like, all right, whatever. But then I, you know, I got drawn in from the entertainment standpoint. It was impossible not to watch those films and not be entertained. It was different. It was a storyline that was compelling. It was interconnected, high quality production, yeah, interconnected. So every movie left you thinking about, okay, what's next here? And then all of a sudden, I went from casual to like super into it. And I think that's where I could see Star Wars going. So I don't look at myself as being on the outside. Everyone out here is like coming at me with knives and stuff. Like, (laughs) don't worry. I think there's potential for me to go that direction. I just haven't seen a quality product, much like our basketball team, (laughs) outside of Rogue One, because Rogue One's the best Star Wars movie. You can at me on Twitter, Andy J Beast Mode. I will respond. You need to get out there and play uh, Star Wars Fallen Order. Like, that's what you need to do. I do. It was created by Respawn, right? Yeah. That was arguably, that I think is the greatest Star Wars sequel. No way. Like, the story of it, stellar. Just abs in the gameplay, stellar. I had so much fun playing that game. I'm like midway God of War right now. Yes, I did go back and revisit and got into it. Thank goodness for that because it's amazing. But, so it stuck with you. Yeah, stuck. I just this time. I just committed to it. I was right. like, I'm gonna do this. Yeah, and I'm gonna figure it out. And but, I died a lot. I'm, yeah, but, but what I'm saying is, you you got into it, and you're like, you're in, you're hooked now. Like you're you're wanting to play it. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so now he knows now he knows why it's so critically acclaimed yeah exactly so i'm like okay this is fantastic so i i yeah star wars is a good one because i love respawn and obviously because of apex and yeah. i would be excited to oh yeah definitely add yeah. to the list Delvin. but here's the thing if the storyline is the same and the white stormtrooper dudes are incapable of landing a single shot on me <laughs> i will delete the game but that's not, <laughs> not in this. Not in this game. Not in this game. You actually die from stormtrooper hits. Like it's it's you. Yeah. Thank goodness, a little yeah. variety. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. we talked about it last time, right? It's like everything I watch the stars. I'm like, hmm. You know, I applied the apex lens. I'm like, wow, that was like a one v twelve, and yeah. they took zero tactical, <laughs> made zero tactical decisions to do anything differently, and it all works out. Just Every run, time. just just run into a hallway and and think that 12 v one works. Dude, right. there were three separate hallways filled <laughs> with bad guys, and they went on with a head for head first approach, and it was just like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, okay, done. Like, oh my goodness, what is the point? Like, these guys have been so bad at fighting for like a hundred years. That's the thing; they've been bad for a hundred years. No one, not a single one of those stormtroopers, was like, "Hey, boss, I think we should do this differently. We could be more efficient." And the boss was like. No, we need to just keep doing what we're already doing. We're going to get it in year 150, and we're really going to turn this thing around for us. <laughs> yeah, the Star Wars joke about Stormtroopers, I think, is it's so overplayed, too. But, um, well, yeah, 
since we're on that topic, Gerardo Hendricks, we'll we'll do this shortly because we have one more question left. But Gerardo is is uh, how about superheroes in general? Who's your favorite? I'm a big Spider Man fan. Yeah, I know you are. You're a big time yeah. Spider Man fan. Yeah. What about you? I'm a big time Captain America fan. I gotta say, I gotta say, I'm a big time Captain America fan, and not just like Captain America, like Steve Rogers Captain America. Like, if you know the comics, like Steve, Bucky, now Sam Wilson. Like, I love that lineage, and like that. Inter- so, like, that's why I'm like, I can't wait till March for uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, like on Disney Plus. Like, I am, I am stoked for that series. Like, if it's if they make it like a Miami Vice or like buddy cop type of movie with the two of them and their characters. Oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> I might die. <laughs> I genuinely might die. <laughs> yeah, I love Bucky and uh, the Winter Soldier and all that. So um, speaking of that, we just I just brought that up in code names, and that was an amazing. So, yeah, we just had that. But, uh, yeah, he, he's great. Yeah. Enjoy his cap. Captain America reminds me a lot of my my youth in the Avengers, and I like grew up watching that show, like the cartoon yeah. on TV and stuff. So, yeah, I just remember there. like the cartoon for me that I I didn't pick him, but the X Men, the animated series, the the weekend one, like that's the one that we all grew up on watching, right? The na 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 na. Do you not remember this? No. Wow, <laughs> you don't remember this. Wow. Dude, but my memory is terrible. My memory is terrible. We don't it's it's all good. Wow. Okay. When I don't remember things. It's not a matter of Wow. Okay, anyways. Watching it. Damn. Okay. But yeah, but those are our also, favorite superheroes. Also curious if I'm mistaken Captain America and Captain Planet. Captain Planet. He's a hero. <laughs> yeah. And then with the rings? With yeah. The rings. Okay, so I definitely am. Never mind. I didn't grow up watching Captain America. I grew up watching Captain Planet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, Disney needs to bring that back. Yeah, is that was that a Disney thing? That might not have been a Disney thing. But anyways, no, I know. I'm just putting faith in them. All right, next <laughs> question. Next question. The last one. Sean asks, and I think this is a joke. When's the Adidas announcement and schedule releasing? Just Dude. kidding. I know you can't answer those, but what's that's what's on the top of the mind for me. Uh, me too. Damn. <laughs> Give me Adidas or Jordan Brand. After watching UNC, I was like, okay, give me Jordan Brand. We're not, I I severely doubt we're getting Jordan Brand because UCLA secured that deal, which you know, from a rational standpoint, it makes perfect sense with their heralded basketball program, and to link it with Jordan, I think is perfect. Uh, Chef's kiss, Chef's kiss, match made in heaven in terms of marketing standpoint. But so devastating. How many times do I have to make this point why Adidas fits for us like so well? Like who are Adidas's basketball or who's Adidas's like one of Adidas's basketball faces in the NBA? Jalen Brown. Who are the football faces for the Adidas brand in the NFL? Aaron Rodgers and Keenan Allen. Yeah. This is a branding match in heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't say more than that. So, here's the thing. I've I was told uh, from a buddy of mine that this has nothing to do with Cal, but there was that rumor that came across about Baron Davis and some other people potentially purchasing Reebok 
off of Adidas. Reebok is currently under Adidas, right? And there, there's yeah. rumors that there's that they're going to try and buy Reebok off of them and, and restart that brand. If they do do that, then what my buddy was saying, who's in the shoe industry uh, and all all that industry, is that the money allocated for from Adidas going into Reebok and the marketing stuff might be refunneled into marketing hmm. and college sponsorship deals, player sponsorship deals, all of that falls under the marketing right. uh, allocation, their budget. So does that mean that if they sell this off, that they have more money to spend on marketing? And in turn, could that mean they dip more into you know, college athletics or other uh, players for sponsorship deals, whatnot? And I was like, oh, that's actually pretty interesting because that might actually end up being favorable to us if we are pursuing that, that it gives us that extra negotiating leeway um, of being like, if we offer them a competitive amount of what we want, they're able to match it because they have the extra budget available now. So, yeah, man. Yeah. Can't come soon enough is my answer on that. Seriously. I mean, it has to be soon. Yeah. Realistically, it has to be soon. Like, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Do you really think Under Armour is like prepping our goods for next year? Definitely not. And they're oh. trash. Yeah. Dude, I like, I, yeah, I'm just. Cause yeah. yeah. Cause you prep a year before, right? Like all the new sweaters that you're going to sell retail or give to players and stuff, all the equipment, everything, all the jerseys, you prep that a year in advance to like stock up on all of it. I highly doubt they're making any of that for us, which means that come, come what July ish. Like you have to have your new goods. That's why I think, that's why I think they, uh, UCLA hurried up to make that deal with Jordan is because now Jordan has six to eight months to get like the jerseys created, designed, made, uh, the the outfits, like the color scheme, the any anything that they need to get done, like done and and start in the, started manufacturing. Like we might be if we don't do this soon, like we're gonna be stuck there with like you know budget brand like no name have to just get it from target <laughs> like you know type of shirts and sweaters <sighs> let's let's 2021 man let's end <laughs> on this note keep the positivity folks wish good things tweet at adidas keep tweeting at adidas i won't say tweet at recruits but i will say tweet at adidas yeah for sure why Definitely. not why not uh, yeah why not yeah if they see that people want us who knows all right. Well, uh, that wraps it up for us here on the Golden Bearcast. Um, if you found us, you already are listening to us, so I don't need to tell you where to find us. But you can find us on Twitter for me at Rob11HWNG. You can find Andy at Andy J Beast Mode. And you can find us on at Golden Bearcast on Twitch, on Twitter. Um, and also you can email us at goldenbearcast at gmail.com if you have any questions, comments, topics you want us to cover. And you can find all the written stuff at writefortcalifornia.com. And that's it. With that, go Bears. Go Bears. All right.
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com